Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Now the fourth one that we're dealing with today is I must live for God. Now your memory verse is going to be Romans chapter 10, verse 13, which says what? Right, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now you need to understand this. It doesn't say some people. It says all who call on the name of the Lord. And guess what? Everyone is emphasized actually in that passage of Scripture that we read. For in verse 11, it uses the word everyone. In verse 12, it says Jew and Gentile. That was another way of saying the entire world. The gospel came to the Jew first. Everyone who's not a Jew is a Gentile. So it's basically saying everyone. Then look at verse 13. Once again, all who call on the name of the Lord, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now remember when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost and in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out. He's preaching his sermon. And in chapter 2, verse 21, he quotes from Joel. He says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He is quoting from the prophet Joel who prophesied in the last days that the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And in that same context of Joel in verse 32, Joel says this, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why we are so committed to missions because we want to get the gospel to everyone so that everyone has the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord like you did one day and you got saved. Amen? So in chapter 3, verse 29 of Romans, it says, Or is God the God of Jews only? Now remember, he's really dealing with the gospel. You know, it was first preached on the day of Pentecost. Salvation came to 3,000 people, and those were Jews from all over the world. Jews somewhat had a problem with everyone else. They felt that they were God's chosen people and that Gentiles were viewed as dogs. And when the gospel was preached, it took down the wall between Jew and Gentile, but there was a struggle there between bringing them together. There was a real struggle in the early church. They had to accept the Gentiles and understand that God was more than the God of Jews, but He was also the God of the Gentiles. And God issues an invitation to everyone. This invitation goes out to everyone. I'm so glad that it wasn't confined to a certain ethnicity. The Ate people are receiving Jesus Christ today because his uncle, by the way, Pastor Rogers' first uncle was the first evangelical Christian of the Ate people. Now he's taken on the torch in a people that is so discriminated against, a people group that is so discriminated against and so ostracized at times, denied medical attention at times merely because they're shorter than everybody else, 
darker than everybody else, and has curly hair. And yet God would be so gracious and his heart would see the Ati people and his heart would say, I'm going to raise up people to preach the gospel to the Ati people. And now they're getting saved today, praise God. Because people are calling on the name of the Lord. All we are, you guys, you have to understand, there's no power in you and I to save anybody. And that gives me a confidence today. You're only the mailman delivering the invitation. When invitations go out to a wedding, when invitations go out to a baby shower, Grisel was attending another shower yesterday. It was a bridal shower. But when invitations go out, the mailman isn't responsible for whether you come to it or not. He doesn't knock on your door and say, hey, I just want you to know there's an invitation here. You need to go. Well, why do I need to go? Because there's going to be flowers, there's going to be cake, there's going to be... Now, guys, when they get an invitation to a bachelor's party, they don't even think twice about it. They're on it. They just go. (laughs) Anything to get out of the house. But the invitations, we're just the mailmen. We just deliver it. We deliver the message, and God is responsible for saving people. That should take a lot of pressure off you and I. You remember I used that analogy one time? Red apples and green apples. There's red apples. They're ready to be picked. There's green apples that aren't ready yet. And then this is why I refuse to go to sermon prep anymore and why I'm boycotting sermon prep because I think it was Angel or somebody brings up the fact that, you know, there's green apples that are ripe too. (laughs) He said, why would you say something like that? So there's some people, they're ready. You know, if I can go into the illustration of my own father. My father, 82 years old, but for nine years, he continued to reject the gospel. Even got upset at me. And all I was doing was bringing the gospel. And I had to learn to not take it personally. And I would tell him about Christ. One day, he just shut me down. Shut Grisel and I down. We were just, boom, that was it. Yelled everything else. But then, not long after that, on Father's Day, we're in a restaurant. Joe's Crab Shack guys shared this before. Bring out the gospel. Pastor Dennis Freeman, his wife, happened to show up that day, which I felt God used them to even set the table even more by what he was saying to my father. And then, uh, without any intention of even leading my father, we're in a restaurant for crying out loud, sitting there. Joe's Crab Shack, and that gets loud at times. And all my dad said to my mother was, sure, I know where I'm going. They weren't even speaking about eternity. And I looked to my father and I said, Dad, do you really know where you're going when you die? And he goes, what do you mean? And it was nothing I had ever said differently at any other time that I shared with him. And we prayed in Joe's Crab Shack. He was 82 years old on father's day we held hands and prayed and he received christ into his heart and he's read the bible god gave him a hunger for the word of god and he read started reading the new testament read the new testament every day for the first five years then he started getting into old testament things like that he's 96 years old today and he still reads the bible and he mom says mom says when he's reading the bible and he's there and he's reading the bible and he discovers the new truth he says, honey, come here, you have to see this, come here, and he shows her what he said. I mean, it's the cutest thing when it's your own parents, you know, and at 96 years old. But see, I had nothing to do with that. I was just the mailman giving the message, and God saved him. See, that relieves the pressure from you and I. 
That relieves all the pressure of, man, i got to lead this guy to the Lord. You're never going to lead him to the Lord. The Holy Spirit's going to lead him to the Lord. But you got to be faithful in giving the gospel out. You know, with Pastor Roger, with the Ati people, he's not in control of leading anybody to the Lord, but he's going to be faithful in giving the gospel, and through that, God brings fruit. You need to do the same thing with your neighbors, with the people you work with, and watch what God will do out of that. What are you going to tell them first? Isn't that great news? Man, some people need to hear that today. They don't know what true love is. They've been used. They've been abused all their life. People have ripped them off. And you know what they need to hear? They need to hear, man, there's a Creator who loves you. And what are you going to tell them next? Some of you are going to be faithful and tell them the bad news. You can tell everybody all at once, God loves you. How many are you going to tell them they're a sinner? You've got to tell them they're a sinner. That's the bad news. It sets it up for the better news that Jesus died for them. Right? But listen to me. Salvation begins with faith and repentance. It's so important that you understand that. Because some of you have, in fact, it's in there. It's actually in all of this. When Jesus comes preaching the gospel of the kingdom, he says, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. He's calling people to repentance and belief. And this is so crucial because you can't just say, hey, if you believe in Jesus. You have to tell them there's... In fact, repentance becomes the evidence that somebody is truly saved. If I was to pull out a quarter right now and I was to show you a quarter, it would have heads on one side, tails on the other and yet two different sides but the same coin right that's what salvation is the coin of salvation is heads on one side tails on the other you cannot separate the two that faith and repentance are the same thing on a coin that there's got to be repentance is turning from sin faith is turning and believing in jesus that's what it is repentance is turning from sin faith is calling on the name of the lord in the New Testament, when you read something like that, you know, where it says confession, verse 9, talks about if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, confession meant more than just speaking with your mouth. It was actually a lifestyle that was attached to the early church. They knew if someone confessed Christ, that they were truly a follower of Christ because what followed them in the midst of a confession was persecution. It was no easy road. You saw up here that you need to count the cost, right? You need to count the cost because living as a Christian in the United States may be easy, people think. But in other countries, you know for sure because when they confess, it involves so much more. In fact, confession, when people confessed, it meant repenting from sin too. It meant that they were confessing Jesus as Lord, but they were repenting of their sin. That's what baptism was even displaying to people. That man, I've repented of my sins. The old man is buried. My sins are washed away in Christ. I rise up brand new in Jesus. And so repenting is very, very important. Many of you have heard the gospel preached here. You even saw it a couple weeks ago when people stood up to receive Christ and come forward and we led them in a prayer. 
The prayer has no power in itself. They're confessing with their mouth, but they're told when they're coached that you, you have to repent. My question to you this morning is since that day that you confessed that Jesus was Lord, was there a change in your life? Or did you answer an altar call or somebody lead you to cry and you, you prayed a prayer, but there was never, ever any change? How is it we keep doing the same thing we've always done? We tell people to call on the name of the Lord. Their spending habits don't change. They're still going to buy something else before they support a missionary. Their Bible reading doesn't change. Their prayer life doesn't change. But they say, I'm going to heaven. Did you know that in that verse 9 it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, doesn't use Savior there. Uses Lord. There's too many people that want a ticket to heaven and yet still live the same old life they ever lived. In fact, I'm going to live in the world and I'm going to live in heaven and that doesn't work. You have to question yourself, do I even have the Holy Spirit dwelling in my life? Is the Holy Spirit working in my heart? Because if the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, He doesn't say, go ahead and do it. He convicts you for that. Of the unrighteousness of the things that are unholy before God. So when we're talking about confessing, there's a change that comes. It comes from the inside out. That's why John the Baptist, when he was baptizing people, you remember, and a lot of people showed up, and there he is baptizing people, all of a sudden religious leaders are there, there's even some Roman soldiers there, and he tells them, bear fruits that are worthy of repentance. In other words, don't just say you've repented, bear the fruit of repentance. There was a young man who went through new creations a few years ago and he got a job at Bonds bagging groceries. And his whole life changed. His whole life changed. It, it wasn't just his church attendance. He actually, it played out in his work force, in his work, his job, that people saw that, man, this guy's real. He's a worker. And what he professes in Christ, they can actually use his work ethic as a testimony. And he came up to me last week and he said, you know, I believe this, Pastor Walt. I got employee of the month. He said, I believe it. But that picture that's hanging there, employee of the month, and it's got his name and everything else, that's a testimony that there was a changed life. He went from a drug addict that you couldn't depend to employee of the month. And you're going to say, what's his name? Go to Vaughn's and look for Employee of the Month. See his picture and you'll know. You'll know. All right? So it includes repenting when we confess Jesus is Lord, but it also includes trusting in Jesus for salvation. It isn't just saying, yeah, I believe Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, that. it's not just an intellectual ascent. There's a transformation that comes place that's through faith. Okay. So I like Bob Vernon used to use this illustration. He was the assistant police chief in Los Angeles. So he had a pretty big job there. A lot of officers, thousands under his, 
his watch, and he was the assistant chief of police during the Watts riots, and he says, you know, I could tell my people under me that this bulletproof vest will stop any bullet that comes, that I can explain to them all the dynamics of why a bullet stops with a vest and doesn't go through and kill the guy, and I can explain to them from beginning to end what that bulletproof vest can do as far as saving his life. But unless that guy puts on the bulletproof vest, it means absolutely nothing. Now, it may get hot in Los Angeles, and they may say, "Ah, I don't want to wear the bulletproof. Yeah, you know, I'm more agile without it. You know, I can jump through windows and jump over fences and things. I mean, it's hard to run after a criminal with, with a bulletproof vest. I'm not going to put it on. It, then you don't really trust that that thing's going to save your life. Because if you trusted that that thing was going to save your life, you would put it on. And there's officers that died on their watch because they never put on the vest. So it's trusting is saying, I'm putting on the vest. I not only understand it, I not only believe that Jesus can save my soul through what He did, on, but I am putting total trust and faith in that. The other thing it involves is submitting. Because when you confess Jesus is Lord, He's now Lord is over you. He calls the shots in your life. That's what it means for Jesus to be Lord. It's not your will anymore. Do you know that Jesus said these words? In Matthew 7, He said, Not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of My Father in heaven. Notice the contrast. Saying and doing. He says, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, Say, but he who does, he who does the will of my Father, right? So there's going to be many on that day, they're going to say, Lord, Lord. They're going to say it, but they never did it. They never did it. They never did the will of the Father. All right, so belief in the resurrection is absolutely necessary when you're talking about the gospel. That's why he says, that when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. The reason is, is because without the resurrection, there is no faith. Without the resurrection, it destroys everything about Christianity. You're no longer in a living relationship or you cannot have a living relationship with the living God unless you believe that Jesus is living today. It's just impossible. Otherwise, you're just in a religion. You're just in another religion like every other religion in the world. But the resurrection proves that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Listen to Romans chapter 1. Here's what it says in verses 3 to 4. Concerning His Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, speaking of Jesus, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why I can stand up here with confidence and tell you there's no other religious leader in the world that is Lord. He's the only one that rose from the dead. He is the only one that rose from the dead. Without the resurrection, we have nothing to talk about. First Corinthians 15 says that if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. What a tragedy to have that. 
you are still in your sins? That, all the ramifications of still being in your sin, everything the Bible declares about the coming future is tragic if you are still in your sins. And you would still be in your sins if Jesus was not raised from the dead. That's why it doesn't matter what another religion does or teaches. People are still in their sins unless they come to saving faith in Christ and believe that He rose from the dead. Amen? All right, so last thing. Salvation is only the beginning of a relationship with God. This is why we say you must live for God. You must live for God. Living for God is a partnership in a way. I hate to use that word because God is so high and God is so awesome, but I don't know how else to explain this other than our relationship with God is a hand-in-hand relationship on earth, and God always does His part. In fact, it tells us in the Word of God in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-4, to His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire." Look how that begins. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God doesn't withhold from us. Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13, listen to this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. Now watch this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Whose responsibility is that? Whose? Work out your own salvation. Now watch this. It continues. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. See, it's like a treadmill. When you get on a treadmill at a gym, I call it a dreadmill, but (laughs) treadmill, you know, because people dread, go, oh man, i got to get on that thing for 30 minutes and i got to walk. But if you've ever been on the treadmill before, what do you do? You program it. Okay, so some of you are like, okay, I'm going to walk 10 miles and I'm going to program it at 4.3 speed, right? 4.3 miles an hour is, and yet somebody like me would program 800 feet at 0.05 miles an hour. But you probably are one of those gym guys that go down there and you're like on it all the time, but then you hit the start button, huh? And what happens? Yeah, it is on. (laughs) <laughs> it is on. That's the dreadful part of the whole treadmill thing is pushing the start button. You're all happy programming it and everything else, but now it becomes crunch time. I got to push that button. And you push that button and what happens? Things starts turning. What happens if you don't walk? God gives us his power, he gives us everything we need to live a life of godliness and it's up to us to say, "Okay, God, We're doing this thing. It's a decisiveness that comes in the heart, friends. You remember in the Old Testament, you know, Israel starts chasing after a false god. They start going after Baal and they're serving Baal, but then they were going back to God for a while. 
Then they were going back to Baal. Then they were going back to God. So God raises up Elijah in chapter 18. Elijah, when he confronts the people, he says, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? The Lord is God, follow Him. If Baal is God, follow Him. It's almost like Jesus' words to the church in Laodicea, the lukewarm church. I'd rather you be hot or cold. Being lukewarm, I'll spew you out. It's what he said. Living for God is a decision that you have to make each and every day. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the ccciv.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.